Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And I'm Howie Silbiger, and this is the Howie Silbiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to join me in conversation. Number to call, one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 The lines are open the entire show, so feel free to call in and, uh, and join me in conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show. It, is, um, it, it has been a rough couple of weeks, and, uh, and I think we have to talk about it. It's been it's been uh, tough, and I've gotten a lot of emails saying, "Howie, where have you been? Why have you not been on the air? Um, you know, screaming and yelling and uh, and 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 insisting that things change the way you uh, you usually go on the air and scream and yell and in, insist that things change." And the truth of the matter is, I I've been um, I I've been thinking about what to say. I I did a political hitman show last week. And we, we talked about the situation in Israel. And I've been watching as Jews around North America and uh, Europe have been attacked relentlessly by pro-jihadists, uh, by people who, uh, who are trying to destroy the Jewish people. And, um, and it's been very tough for me to come up with something you know, relatively intelligent to say about this. The idea that the media has given up on telling the truth. The idea that rational people have decided that um, that fact doesn't matter anymore. The idea that people living thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away from an event could have the audacity to attack other people just because they support a political philosophy. They could physically attack them and, and and fight with them because they support a political philosophy. It is is actually it's it's more than just uh, gut wrenching. It is absolutely infuriating. We we are living in a time where where we're supposed to be enlightened people. Uh, all I hear is uh is about wokeness and and you know whoa we can't uh, we can't insult this person we can't insult that person. And, and we can't say this and we can't say that. And yet, these rules that apply to everybody and these rules that apply to everything don't seem to apply to the Jewish people. It, it seems to be okay to attack Jews. It seems to be okay to, to, say, it's, it's, to say that Hamas, Hamas dropped you know, 4,000 bombs on Jewish heads and that's okay. Nobody's upset about that. But Israel retaliates and goes after Hamas terrorists who are dropping bombs on Israelis. And I see, I see news article after news article and uh, news piece after news piece condemning Israel for, for attacking Gaza, for, for going after Gaza. Even more infuriating than that is the idea that there are some people in the media who feel that somehow wars have to be proportionate. So uh, it suddenly became a contest. 
And this is what drives me crazy because we're talking about people's lives here. And it suddenly became a contest, a tit-for-tat contest. Oh, the Israelis are committing genocide because they could better defend themselves from incoming rockets from their enemy. Oh, the, uh, the Israelis, uh, you take a look at the Israelis, they haven't lost as many people, civilians haven't died, as many civilians haven't died as on the other side. Therefore, there's something wrong with this whole situation. What? It doesn't make sense. It's not even logical. And yet, news story after news story and, 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 and stupid comedians and smart people are all saying the same thing. And it kind of makes you wonder. And, and as a human being, you start to wonder. Maybe my perspective is a little skewed. I mean, I am, a, I am biased, obviously. Uh, I support Israel, so I, I, I'm, I'm a little biased. So maybe my opinion is, maybe my, my perspective is a little skewed. And I started thinking that perhaps, perhaps I'm looking at this wrong. So I went and I watched Trevor Noah's sh- little 10-minute uh, idiocy where he, where he says that, you know, that Jews haven't died as much as, uh, as Gazans have. Therefore, it's, 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 it's disproportionate and Israel's committing some kind of war crime. And I watched John Oliver as he, uh, as he skewered Israel trying to uh, convince people that, uh, that Israelis who have um, bombs falling on their heads and who have had bombs falling on their heads for 16 years are somehow in the wrong and somehow committing a war crime. But Gaza throwing bombs into Israel is a, not a war crime. Now, now, now you know, it takes, a, it takes a long stretch of imagination. It takes, it, takes a, um, it takes a very skillful acrobat to try to justify a terrorist indiscriminately throwing bombs into a civilian population as legitimate compared to a country, a sovereign nation, defending their borders and defending their citizens and retaliating against rockets flying into their sovereign land. Uh, and, and they're the ones committing the war crime. I'm, I'm very confused by all this. And if you, if, you, um, if you could explain this to me, feel free to call in. one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I haven't come onto the air because I find the whole thing awfully, awfully confusing. And no, I don't get confused often. It's not something that I normally do. It's not something that, uh, that, that you would say that, you know, wow, Howie's confused. And when I say confused, I'm not confused by the, uh, by the, by the facts of the matter. I'm not confused uh, on, on who is correct and who is incorrect in this, uh, in this, in this, in this uh, event. I'm not confused at what is morally right and what is absolutely morally wrong. In this, uh, in in this event, in this in this situation, but I am confused about how seemingly rational people could decide to take the side of the terrorist. This confuses me, but it shouldn't, and I'll tell you why. We 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 are Jews, and uh, Jews who uh, who have a little bit of knowledge of the history of Judaism and the Jewish people. We, we know that there is no rational reason why people hate Jews. We, we understand that we are hated because we are hated. We are hated because that is what people do. Now, at one point, I thought it was a jealousy issue, that, the, that people were jealous. And I'm, I'm sure over the centuries that was part of it, that people were jealous that the Jews were the chosen people of God, and so uh, they came after the Jews. And then I realized uh, it was a revelation that came to me a, a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, 
where I realized that um, that the uh, idea that the Jews have the testament from God, and then there was a New Testament by uh, the Christians, and the Christians couldn't sell their New Testament. They couldn't say, we have a New Testament with God, if there were still people following the Old Testament, because that would be kind of strange, wouldn't it? That you know God made a new deal, but people are still following the old deal, so who really has to deal with God? So killing the Jews for the Christians made sense. Get rid of all the people who believe in the old deal, and then you know we could we could make the new deal the new deal. And same thing with the Muslims. So when the Muslims came and they said we have a new new deal with God, then uh, we could um, then we could we could kind of change that too. So so that made sense to me. That made perfect sense to me, and that made sense uh, about why this 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 centuries and centuries and centuries of fighting against the Jewish people have, has existed. That was totally sensical to me. But here we are. We're in a situation now where Israel and Gaza, Israel and Hamas, Hamas are the leaders of Gaza, but they're the elected leaders of all the people of the Palestinian Authority. Their, um, their, their actual governorship was stolen from them, legitimately stolen from them, after a democratic election. They were, it was stolen from them by the United States and Israel. And uh, the Palestinian Authority was kind of crammed in there when Hamas clearly won the election, and we know the election was democratic because it was supervised by former U.S. President Jimmy Carter, so uh, it had to have been democratic, right? So, um, yeah, so for 14 years, the Palestinian Authority has been occupying the government that, um, that, that should have been Gaza, that should have been uh, Hamas, excuse me. Hamas has been pushed into Gaza. There was a bloody civil war. Hamas went into Gaza. There was kind of a truce between Hamas and the Palestinian Authority after Hamas killed all the Palestinian Authority representatives in Gaza. And so Hamas has been ruling Gaza uh, for 14 years. And in all those years, bombs have been falling on the heads of Jews in southern Israel. Now, Israel pulled out of Gaza in, uh, in was it, 2005, so it's a long time ago. They pulled out of Gaza. They pulled every man, woman, child, every baby, every body, every inch, and anything, anything that had to do with uh, with Jews, with Jews living in uh, in 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 Gaza. They pulled everything out in 2005. Everything. There was nothing left in Gaza to indicate that there were Jews living in Gaza. And yet the bombs still came raining down on the heads of the Jews living there. The bombs still came raining down on these people's faces. And, and, and children, well, yeah, plenty of, Gazan, uh, plenty of uh, children in southern Israel suffered when the bombs of, uh, of Hamas came falling on their heads. But I didn't see any human rights violations. I didn't see any, uh, I didn't see any human rights committees screaming and yelling about the poor Jewish children that were being uh, that were being that were being um, uh, threatened by uh, by by Gaza, by by Hamas in Gaza. I didn't see anybody screaming. I didn't see protests in the street. I didn't see violence and and people being beaten up around the world because Jewish children were being were being thrown into uh, bomb shelters, given five seconds to run to a bomb shelter as bombs were falling onto their heads. From Gaza, which was just about a mile away from, uh, from, from where they were living. 14 years of this. There are children living in cities like Starot, Israel, who don't know anything about living outside of a bomb shelter. 
They've been living in a bomb shelter for 14 years. They were born in a bomb shelter, and they've been living in a bomb shelter for 14 years. Where's the Human Rights Commission? Where's the UN Human Rights Commission? Where are all the self-righteous celebrities and the self-righteous uh, comedians who have the audacity to say that not enough Jews have died in a skirmish with Gaza? Where are those people screaming and yelling about the children of Starod Israel? The young Jewish children who grew up in bomb shelters because Gaza and Hamas has been dropping bombs on their heads for their entire lives. Where's the condemnation of that? It's, it's, it's non-existent. It doesn't exist. Why doesn't it exist? This is the question that no rational person has asked yet. I haven't heard anybody in the media ask this question. Why is there no, why is there no condemnations of Jewish kids, uh, of, of, of bombs falling on Jewish kids' heads? Why has nobody said a word about that? Is Jewish life cheap? Are Jewish kids worth less than Palestinian kids? Is, Jewish, is it okay for Jewish blood to be rolling in the street? Is that fine? I, I don't understand it. And nobody's been able to explain it to me. And, and, and it's really, it really pisses me off a little bit. I'll be honest. It, it really pisses me off a little bit. And it would piss me off if I wasn't Jewish too. So don't say I'm just saying this because you're Jewish, Howie. You're just saying this because you have a vested interest. No, this would piss me off if I wasn't Jewish too. Children are children. I don't care if they're Jewish children. I don't care if they're Arab children. I don't care if they're Palestinian children. I don't care who they are. Children are children. And innocent civilians are innocent civilians. And when you are talking about, about a, 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 an organization, a, a government, an elected government, because don't forget, and I'll remind you again, because everyone seems to forget to remember this, that Hamas was the elected government of the Palestinian Authority. They went, to, they went to an election in 2005, an election supervised by Jimmy Carter. I know I'm repeating myself, but I, it's, it's worth repeating. An election supervised by Jimmy Carter, where the majority of the people living in the Palestinian Authority areas decided to vote for Hamas. There's no question. That's what it was. And let's top it off, because there's a cherry on the top of this cake. Let's top it off with... The election that was supposed to be held in 2021, the Palestinian Authority was supposed to go to the election after in their 16th year of their four-year mandate. They were supposed to go into an uh, election in 2021. And they postponed the election because their polling showed that Hamas was going to win again. So when you want to tell me about innocent people, and you want to talk to me about innocent people being hurt in Gaza, innocent people being hurt in in, in uh, by, by Israelis retaliating for bombs landing on their heads? You want to talk about innocent people? Innocent people don't elect terror organizations to be their government. They just don't do that. Now, are they oppressed? Maybe. Are they oppressed by Israel? Definitely not. Uh, you know, everyone says that Israel closed the borders. It's an Israeli blockade. But you know, Egypt has a border to Gaza too. Nobody ever talks about the Egyptian border that's been closed since 2004. Why don't they talk about the Egyptian border? I'll tell you why. Because it's not Jews. Because the idea here is not, and the concept isn't, that it is a land war. If it was a land war, it would have been solved years ago. Israel is ready to make any land concession for peace. They were ready to do it. They were ready to do it in 2001. They were ready to do it in 2005 and 2007 and 2009. There, there were about 30 different peace proposals where where 
land was offered in exchange for peace. It's not a land war. If it was a land war, that would have been settled. It's a religious war. And unfortunately, when it's a religious war, it's a lot harder to settle. It's a lot harder to settle a religious war. And it was a religious war, and another proof that it's a religious war, because people argue with me all the time about this, another proof that it's a religious war is the fact that it has left the borders of Israel and moved to the borders of the United States, it's moved to Canada, it's moved to Europe. Jews are being attacked right across the world. If this was a land war, where, where one country is occupying the land of another people, or one people is occupying the land of another people, or however you want to phrase it, if this was a land war, there would be protests in front of uh, embassies, there would be uh, pressure put onto, pressure put onto um, the people... The, uh, the, uh, the different countries uh, who have influence in the region, pressure put onto them saying, hey, listen, this is, uh, this is a land war. We have to come up with some kind of a treaty. But that's not what's happening. What's happening is people are going out and showing their support for Israel, flying an Israeli flag, flying it in their homes, flying it in their offices, carrying it down the streets, and being physically attacked. The, uh, the chants aren't destruction of Israel, you know, free Gaza, destroy Israel. That's not the destro- that's not the uh, chanting. If that was the chanting, I would I wouldn't say a word because political uh, political philosophy is political philosophy. And if you want to uh, if you want to express your political philosophy that you don't think that Israel should exist, that's your that's your right. You're 100 you're 100 legal right to do so. And I would never argue with somebody expressing a political philosophy. But they're yelling, "Eat bachet Yehud, kill the Jew." Kill the Jew is a lot different than uh, than 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 destroy than dismantle Israel and free Gaza or free free Palestine kill the Jew is a little more personal it's a little more serious and when they go out and they physically back what they are chanting when people go out and physically back what they're chanting and start beating Jews up in the street beating old men up who, who, who show up at a rally because they support the existence of the state of Israel Beating young kids up as they're walking back towards the subway after a, uh, after a rally. Beating up Jews who are walking to synagogue on a Friday night. Rolling through towns in, ho- in cars, yelling out the windows that they're going to kill the Jews living in those towns. The situation changes there. And that's something that we, that, that we have to take a little more seriously than just yelling Israel is an apartheid state or Israel is a, is a genocidal state or whatever. It's a little more serious. Because when programs start, we know where they lead. This is the importance of learning history and knowing your history. When the programs start and the people in the street start beating the Jews up in the middle of the street, there's only one direction this goes in. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. Feel free to join me. 1-877-669-1292 is the number to call. Dino Mazzoni is, uh, is going to join me now. He, uh, he is starting a new show right here on uh, True Talk Radio uh, very shortly. We're going to launch it uh, hopefully very, very soon. It is uh, called Sidebar, and uh, he'll be the host of it. And uh, I love when Dino joins me on the show. It's, it's amazing, and uh, I, I just love this guy altogether. But it's amazing when he joins me on the show. Dino, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you, Howie. You're very sweet, very kind. And I hope uh, we're going to pick a date soon. I, I, I'm remiss. I got caught up. Uh, just a quick little story. My partner uh, got COVID and was in serious ICU uh, uh, situation. So I was running the firm really for about a month. <laughs> and 
it just threw me for a loop. Uh, I had a lot on my plate. So he's life- back. He's healthy. And God, thank God. And so uh, we'll, we'll get back on track with Sidebar. Life happens. That, life that's, happens. That's what yes. it is. Life happens. I, I wanted to, you know what? I, I, I wrote to you, well, we wrote to each other, and I said I wanted to talk a little bit about anti-Semitism today. And, and I have a small little window because, believe it or not, I, I have my wife wants me to come down and eat. But I wanted to say a few things to you. I'm a non-Jew, and I'm pissed just as much as you, okay? I am furious with what's going on with the treatment of Jews worldwide in our own city, which is mind-boggling to see the reaction uh, of people to this situation in the Middle East, to see the tepid reaction of our elected officials to what is happening to our Jewish community here in Montreal uh, and worldwide, for that matter. Uh, So... So we're clear, Howie, I'm just as pissed. I'm really pissed about what's happening. And I would hope that others feel like me. You don't have to be Jewish to know that this is absolutely appalling what's taking place. Um, I also wanted to underscore another point. You know, people love to blame Israel, right? I mean, they're the favorite whipping dog. Everybody kicks them in the nuts. Everybody loves to kick Israel, right? And yet, where are the Arab states in this whole story? Where are they to be the ones to, in some way, be participatory in a plan that, I don't know, perhaps brings some peace, if you will, to the region? Um, you have, um, and, and I'm hardly kind of serve what's taking place there. I've read as much as I can over the years, but it is a very complex issue. But Gazans have elected a terrorist organization to represent them. And somehow this is going to elicit a peace deal with Israel. This is somehow going to bring us all to the promised land. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense, right? So what is Israel supposed to do? It gets bombarded with over five, I think we're up to past 5,000 rockets right now. Something like that, yeah. You know, something bombarded with 5,000 rockets. And what, they're supposed to sit there and take this? I mean, anybody in their right mind who suggests otherwise is a complete and utter moron. And by the way, we've had some of these people in our own city, elected representatives, absolute idiots who suggested just as much that Israel should have shown somehow restraint. Let me tell you something, Howie, if I'm the prime minister of a country and my country is being bombarded with rockets, the word restraint probably comes into my mind mm, a little bit down the line. The first reaction I have is defend my people, defend my country. Well, that's your responsibility as the government. I mean, really, just the the idea that somehow, you know, Israel could be attacked for defending itself is just ludicrous. And the other comment you made, which I wanted to pick up on, I, like you, agree that if someone wants to say, you know, they hate Israel, fine, you hate Israel. You say that Israel is the oppressor, okay, you want to say Israel is the oppressor. You know, freedom of expression. I completely believe in freedom of expression. However uninformed and however stupid your comments may be, I believe that you have every right to make them, right? But when you say, kill the Jew, when you come to a rally where people are in support of Israel and you stand there and you spit on people because they are Jewish, you wish them death because they are Jewish, you need your head examined. Anybody who thinks that this is a freedom of expression, that this is acceptable in a democratic society, needs to have their head examined. This is completely unacceptable. And I don't care if you're Jewish. I don't care if you're Christian. I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're Chinese, you're not. Somebody calling for your death, somebody calling for the annihilation of, of a full of, of, of a group. I, 
how do you even respond to that in a way that makes any sense, right? So please understand, as much as I'm sure you feel it in a way that I'll never fully understand, Howie, there are many people like me who feel just as outraged that this is taking place. And I stand with the Jewish community and I stand with Israel. And that is a, a solidarity that will never, ever uh, leave me. The only time it will, will be when they put me in a box, Howie. It's as simple as that. It's amazing, Dino, because uh, we, we've, we've seen this happen before. Uh, when, Prime Minister, um, when Prime Minister Netanyahu, when he wasn't Prime Minister, he was Foreign Minister at the time, came to speak at Concordia in the early 2000s, we, we saw the same kind of, uh, of vitriol. We saw, we saw the same kind of rioting, same kind of attacks on, uh, on people. Um, at the time, Tommy Hecht, a Holocaust survivor, I was standing next to him when, when, when somebody came up and kicked him in the balls. Uh, you know, he was, uh, at the time, he may be a 70-year-old man, and they came up and they kicked him in the balls. So uh, you, know, you, you have to wonder, what goes through the minds of these, of these haters? It has to be more than just, uh, just I disagree with Israeli policy or I disagree with right. Bibi Netanyahu. It right. can't just be that because I can't accept the fact that you could walk up to somebody and punch somebody in the face 5,000, 10,000 miles away from uh, the, the land where, where something happened and, and just, just get away with saying, oh, it's because I support the politics of, uh, of the other side. That right. doesn't make sense to me. That's not logical. Well, and you're right. Because the reality is, and let's call it for what it is, people who are spewing that hatred, who have this venom, who are sick in the head, like I mentioned, are because they hate the fact that someone else is Jewish. We, we got to call it for what it exactly is. It has nothing to do with their uninformed, as I said, understanding of what's taking place in the Middle East. It has everything to do with the fact that they are hateful of the Jewish community. And this is what needs to be talked about. This is what has to be put front and center. This is not people disagreeing about an issue. This is not people wanting to have debate. These are people who are calling for the death of a population. Think about that for a moment. The last time we talked in those terms, Howie, it was we were talking about the Holocaust. Yeah. I mean, this is what people are advocating, the death of a group, an identifiable group. So... Please excuse me if anybody there thinks that they're going to try to reason with me to, to somehow think I should be sympathetic to these individuals who are calling for the death of, of, a, of the Jewish community. I, I just, it's a non-starter for me, right? It's just a non-starter, as I'm sure it is for you. And so everyone, I don't care who you are, you need to be outraged. And if you're not, then you have no business even discussing this with anybody, just go back, crawl in a hole, just stay out of my way. Because if you're not outraged, then something is seriously wrong with you. You know what's been driving me crazy? I've been uh, following on Instagram. I have, uh, I'm a school teacher, so I have generations of, uh, different generations of kids yeah. that have uh, grown up and are now teenagers or in their early 20s, mid-20s, who, um, who are now advocating for Israel. Yeah. And, uh, and I see them posting up saying, well, both sides are wrong. Well, no, no, both sides are not wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it drives me crazy because they're trying to play the uh, you're trying to play the equivalency game, and there's yeah, no the equivalency, equivalency here. Rule. Yeah, absolutely. There is absolutely no equivalency when you launch when you decide as a government of a people to launch indiscriminately thousands of rockets into a civilian population, then you are intentionally putting your population at risk 
because whoever's country you're launching those rockets into is going to retaliate, and you know damn well when you launch that first rocket that there's going to be a retaliation. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, um, so playing both sides doesn't work for me because no. there's one side that's right and one side that's wrong. If yeah. you don't launch rockets into a into a sovereign nation, the sovereign nation is not going to retaliate, and <laughs> and you're not going to get rockets launched at you. So right. it, it's it's like it was simple. Like when BLM was happening, uh, and they were complaining that uh, and they were complaining that the cops were the cops were beating them up, and and I got on here and someone some guy called me on on the show. Um, I think it was on the Israel show on, on Political Hitman. Some guy calls me up and says to me, uh, "You know, Howie," he says the cops should not beat up the protesters. And I said, really, really? So, so if you're a cop and your job is to maintain peace and some guy comes up to you in the middle of the street and slams you in the face with his fist, you're supposed to just stand there and take it? Yeah, right. I, I, I don't understand the argument. Yeah. Um, uh, you're trained to react. This is your job. Yeah, sure. Right? So a guy hits you in the face, you put him on the floor, you put handcuffs on him, and you take him away. If the guy well, keeps yeah. fighting with you, you fight back. I mean, this is this is. This is I, I mean, it, they're it expecting just, a reaction I don't understand. from Israel that is is that you wouldn't expect of anyone else in the world. No, no one else would do differently. No one else. Uh, I no keep one. saying, what if Mexico started launching missiles into Texas? Right. What would America do? I guarantee, within twenty four hours, Texas, uh, Mexico wouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> they they would wipe out the entire country, and they wouldn't even think twice about it. So, and you know, I must say this. On. I know that whenever we speak about and the, and the, you know people talk about the moral equivalency, and and it just makes me nuts when I hear that. And 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 by the way, we also fall into the trap sometimes when we talk about Israel. We talk about it as being the only democratic nation in the Middle East, in the Middle East, in the Middle East. We we unfortunately uh, we have we've cornered Israel just as being part of the quote Middle East. Let me make this clear. Israel is probably one of the most incredible nations on the planet Earth. I don't care about just the Middle East. I'm talking about the planet Earth. What Israel has managed to do in its existence, what it has achieved in, in the fields of science, medicine, technology, are beyond comprehension. And so, you know, I think we do it at the service when we always try to pinpoint and put Israel within that context of the Middle East because it is a nation worth uh, lauding. It's a nation that is worth protecting. And, and right now, we need to all be lockstep in solidarity with Israel, because this is just not something that any other nation in the world would, would have to put up with if they were being bombarded with bombs. And yet, for some reason, we got to think back and we got to, we got to, some, Israel has to be somehow different than everybody else out there when it gets bombarded. So, um, look, you know what, Howie? I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe I'm just. I'm just not as. Uh, I'm very biased. Obviously, I'll never be able to see a different perspective. It's like me saying to you, Howie. I touch a core belief of what you believe in and try to convince you otherwise. You're never gonna do it. Well, guess what? That's exactly how I feel. And that's where we are, my friend. No, so. I, was, I was watching uh, CTV National News last night, and uh, I I normally don't watch CTV National News because. Uh, uh, Look, Bell Media makes me a little sick, so I, I don't bother, right? I know you work for them, so I, I'm not going <laughs> to... I, I don't say anything. Just, just you know, I can say what I want, right? <laughs> but you work for Bell, so I have to I have to be a little careful here. So I'll be a little careful. Um, so CTV, I, I don't watch the national news because uh, generally they, um, they're they a little one-sided. Um, you in, think? 
<laughs> just a little bit. So, um, so I was watching it. I watched it last night. Um, I, w- I was with my mom. She wanted to watch it. Okay, whatever. So we're watching, um, watching uh, CTV National News last night, and they did a twelve-minute segment on the on the war between Israel and Gaza. Right. Twelve minutes, full twelve minutes. Right. And the segment started with Israel bombarded Gaza with another twelve, uh, you know, x amount of rockets today. After uh, you know, and then there was a ceasefire, and they, they went through the whole story. And then they had their guy in Gaza who says, "Down walking down Wasabi Street, uh, you know, it used to be a beautiful marketplace. Now look at it. There's rubble here and rubble there." And I'm watching this, thinking, "Hmm, interesting." But well, where, where's the reporter standing in Tel Aviv, where yeah. where um, where an apartment building was hit and a woman died uh, after a missile landed in an apartment building in Tel Aviv? Where, where's the guy standing in Starot? in southern Israel, who have been bombarded with rockets, hundreds of thousands of rockets since, uh, since 2005. Um, and, and their entire town is destroyed. They're basically living underground in bomb shelters. Where, where, where is the uh, reporter standing in Jerusalem where, where, where some rocket that was fired from Gaza landed, landed in a house in Jerusalem and killed a six-year-old boy? Where, 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 is the, uh, where are the reporters there? Yeah. Where, where are the interviews with the Jewish mothers who lost their children to Hamas rockets that have fallen uh, in, in, in Israel? They, they, they weren't there. But they did interview three or four people who say, yeah, we, we are not leaving. We are here. We're here to stay. Good for you. I don't care if you're here to stay. Stop lobbing missiles into Israel. Simple yeah. as that. Well, you know, I'll tell you this, Howie, and then I, I'm, I'm unfortunately going to yeah. have to make this my last comment, but I will say this to you. After having endured four years of watching Donald Trump and the media and how they basically eviscerated this man at every level and, and took information and gave us bits and pieces of what they thought we should know about and, and ignored so many other counterpoints uh, in the process, I have really a disdain for the media, to be frank with you. I just don't really trust it on, on any level. I just think that um, I'm a much smarter guy. You're a smarter guy. Uh, we we fared out our information from where we get it. We try to get a counterbalance with everything we read. I just uh, it does not surprise me that the media would like to play this up as being, oh, here we go again, big bad Israel kicking the nuts out of Pal- the Palestinians in the Gaza. I mean, you know, look, it, it just it's 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 that old tale. It, it does well for them, obviously gets them ratings. It gets them the narrative that gets them more eyeballs on the screen or, or people listening to the radio. I Listen, you know what? Uh, like I said, people need to be a lot smarter. Certainly all the idiots who showed up in the, at the rally uh, attacking uh, those in support of Israel, uh, they're not paying attention to any of the news. <laughs> Frankly, I don't know what they're reading or listening to. They only have one uh, common cause which is uh, a hatred and anger towards an identifiable group. And we need to all stand lockstep together to make sure that this does not go unnoticed. Howie, we got to be a lot more vigilant. We got to be a lot more vocal. We got to be a lot more diligent. We cannot let this happen. I don't care. This is not a Jewish issue. This is not an Israel issue. This is a human issue. We need to stand together. So I mean, I'll leave you with that, Howie, and I, I wish you a, you know, a great evening. Dino, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to take a little break. When I'll come back in uh, in just a minute, you're, uh, this is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in, 1-877-669-1292. And welcome back to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Number again, 1-877-669-1292. That's 1-877-669-1292. We are live on a Sunday night here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I um, 
I appreciate Dino coming on and uh, and his show uh, Sidebar will be starting uh, very shortly right here on the True Talk Radio Network. We've added a few shows in the last uh, in the last couple of days. Passion with Lori Batito and Dr. Lori Batito and uh, John Paul will air every well is now airing every night here on uh, True Talk Radio. Uh, we have um, we have a new show with Rick Keen called Rick Keen's uh, Music Scene, and that will be airing every single uh, every single night. Uh, it, it airs once a new new episode once, and then uh, every night it um, it repeats. So feel free to check out the check out the uh, schedule on TrueTalkRadio.com. Now, um, getting back to this uh, this issue of people beating up people. I've been advocating for years, and uh, it's been a lot of years that I've been advocating this. Uh, I believe that every Jewish school around the world should be teaching their children martial arts. I don't understand why there has been a hesitancy of Jewish schools to teach their children how to defend themselves. Now, there, there seems to be this uh, this idea that martial arts is somehow an offensive um, an offensive thing. It's something that's, uh, that's, that's more offense than defense. But it's really not. A martial arts is, is designed to be defensive. And so I don't understand why Jewish children aren't taught to defend themselves. I saw the other day a posting from a, um, from a person who went to a rally in a, in, in a major city, downtown major city, and told the story of being followed by, by counter-protesters, by jihadists who wanted to beat them up. And, um, and these people uh, followed these and, and eventually caught up with them and started punching them. And, and the person writing the, the piece that I read said they didn't know how to defend themselves and they took a beating because they didn't know what to do. They were yelling for help. They were screaming for the police. The police weren't around. There was nobody there to help and they ended up getting beaten up. And I kept thinking and I keep thinking that this is something that is completely avoidable. Children, young people, even older people don't have to get beaten up in these situations. If we choose to live in the diaspora, if we choose to live outside of Israel, uh, even if we choose to live in Israel, we should have the, at least the defense mechanism of self-defense. We should have the knowledge on how to defend ourselves. We should know how to fight. And I don't understand why Jewish schools are not teaching this. It should be taught uh, from kindergarten on. There should be a self-defense course. It should be part of gym class or be part of or be its own class. From, from kindergarten on, where at least if a Jew is being attacked somewhere in a subway, on, on, on the street, or, or anywhere, they would have the, the facilities, they would have the, uh, the skills to defend themselves. It, it drives me crazy that we're not doing this. And it drives me crazy that when, when organizations set up to do things like that, to teach things like that, they're basically shut down by, uh, by, by the big federations. Um, I'll tell you a little story because um, I was involved, sort of peripherally involved, uh, about about thir- almost 30 years ago now, uh, about 25, 26 years ago. Uh, little old ladies were being uh, mugged in the Snowden area of Montreal, uh, walking to, sh- walking to uh, the shopping mall and to Van Horn Shopping Center in that area where uh, Van Horn meets Victoria. Uh, little old Jewish ladies were being mugged. And uh, one, a couple of them lost. Uh, a couple of them, one of them lost an eye. A couple of them lost. Uh, they got their arms broken. It, w- it was a bad situation. So a, a group of young guys decided that we were going to set up a Jewish security force. 
And the Jewish security force was essentially just a walk safe program. We wanted to coordinate with the police and we wanted to um, to train in self-defense. See, even back there, almost 30 years ago, I was still I was advocating the same thing. We, we, we wanted to train in self-defense and train young people in self-defense to go and just walk with these people, walk them to wherever they're going, to the doctor's office, to there, to there, a free, a free, um, a free buddy system to protect people on the street who were being attacked. And we, we, uh, we set it up. Uh, we set it up. It was called Jewish Security Force. Uh, and uh, we had thousands of volunteers. And uh, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. We actually had thousands of volunteers. And we had a guy who was in charge of training these people. Uh, he was a Russian immigrant. And uh, he knew Krav Magra. So he was, he was, he was trained doing Krav Magra. And he, uh, and he was working with kids at Concordia. And then he was working with uh, people outside of Concordia and training them to be able to fulfill this, what I think is a, uh, is a great deed, a good deed of protecting people who might be attacked. And uh, we started growing exponentially. There were, there were thousands of people who had volunteered to come and, uh, and join the security force. We had a uh, sponsor who, uh, who, who made us very identifiable T-shirts and uh, supplied communication devices so that we could all talk to each other and uh, we could communicate with the police if we had to. And, uh, and, and, this, and the thing was really starting to build itself up. And the Suburban ran an article saying, hey, this is what's happening. And uh, they interviewed the, the young man who was in charge of the, uh, of the organization. Didn't take, didn't take five minutes after the Suburban came out where I got a call from B'nai B'rith. And uh, it was Robert Libman was the was the um, director of neighborhood at the time, and he called me up and he says, "Howie, you have to come down to our office. We want to talk to you." I said, "Okay," and he said, "Bring the other guy with you too." It's great. I called the other guy, and we were expecting when we walked into neighborhood, we were expecting that um, that they would be willing, they would be offering to help us to uh, to to help us coordinate. Maybe we could work out of their office. Maybe we could have some kind of alliance, which would have been nice. We walked into the B'nai B'rith office and uh, Robert Lippin was there and Michael Krellenstein, who was with Canadian Jewish Congress at the time, he was sitting there too. And we sat down in the, uh, in the boardroom and both men looked at me and said to me, ignored the other guy who was with me. They looked at me and they said to me, we don't like what you're doing, you have to stop. So I said, are we breaking any laws? And they said, no. And I said, so what don't you like? So they said, well, you know, we have a Jewish community security council that takes care of security for the community. Let us do our jobs. Stay out of our business. In other words, we're the big boys. You are not. So stay out of the big boys business. This was the, uh, this was the idea behind it. I said, hmm, it doesn't sit well with me. And I got up and I left. Two days later, the Montreal police called me. And called me in for a t- chat at a police station. Once again, the two of us went down to the police station. We had a uh, we had a little chat with some detective sergeants there, who told us that we weren't breaking any laws, but if we continued to uh, to do this, they would scrutinize us very carefully, and if we stepped over the line even once, they would come down on us with jackhammers. Now I can't imagine that. It was coincidental that we had a meeting with B'nai B'rith and Canadian Jewish Congress and then a meeting with the police just a couple of hours later. It didn't seem coincidental to me. 
So it was, uh, it was extremely, extremely disturbing to me at the time, and it's still disturbing to me today, almost 30 years later, it's still disturbing to me, that the, uh, that the major Jewish organizations would stop people trying to teach Jews how to defend themselves. I understand they like to be in charge. I understand that they like to defend the Jewish community. But it seems a little strange to me that they would want to stop the Jewish communities from defending themselves and individual Jews from knowing how to defend themselves. But that seemed to be, that's, that's exactly what happened. And so I only go back to that old story. I, I hardly ever tell that story, but I, I always go, ba- I go back to that old story because now we see the results of, of this non-action. We see the results of Jews not learning how to defend themselves. A rally held in downtown Montreal on last Sunday d- dissolved into a riot where Jews were being beaten up and didn't know how to defend themselves. It, it seems crazy to me that in the 30 years since we set up the Jewish security force and this riot last Sunday, that the community hasn't taken any action to teach Jews how to physically defend themselves. It seems bizarre to me. But Montreal Jewish community is not the only Jewish community that hasn't done that. Jewish communities around the world haven't done it. And, and it, I, okay, it might be expensive, but how much is a Jewish life worth? And that's the question we have to ask. Does the expense really matter when it comes to defending Jewish lives? So some of the people who were at the rally on, um, on, on Sunday, last Sunday, when they got beaten up, if some of those people were able to defend themselves, fine. Maybe, maybe some people would abuse the, uh, the, the training and be offensive with it, and that would be a problem. But but majority of people uh, would not go on the attack. The majority of people would just wanted to go to the rally, show their support for the state of Israel, and go home. That was their that was their idea. And being attacked, having rocks thrown at you, and having fists thrown at you, and not being able to defend yourself deters people from going to these kind of rallies. I know people, and uh, I know plenty of people uh, from uh, even before who now don't walk around with, uh, with a yarmulke on their head. They don't walk around with their kippahs on their head. They don't walk around with any identifiable Jewish, um, Jewish identifiable symbol on them because they're afraid of being attacked. I know people who won't leave their homes on Saturdays during Shabbat. On beautiful days, they won't go for a walk because they're afraid of being attacked in middle of Jewish neighborhoods. They would not be this afraid if they knew how to defend themselves. It is absolutely disgusting that the community hasn't started an initiative to, to train people how to defend themselves. And I think that as, a, as, a, as people, as grassroots people, pressure should be put onto the Jewish schools, pressure should be put onto the Federation and the Bnei Brits to set up courses immediately that if Jews stay in the diaspora and want to live amongst the nations, and not go to Israel and live under the rule of Israel and under the, uh, under the protection of the uh, Israeli Defense Force. But if they want to live in foreign nations, we're not welcome here. It's obvious we're not welcome here. But if you're going to stay here, then you have to know how to defend yourself. You have to know how to fight. You have to not be afraid. And not be afraid is the self-confidence of knowing how to defend yourself. We can't teach our children in Israel advocacy classes at different schools anymore, that both sides have a right to the land. We have to teach 
that Israel has a right to the land, that Israel is not an illegitimate state, that Israel is there and is there legally and has every legal right to be there and it's, is there in accordance with international law and that it is a war crime to throw rockets onto the heads of innocent Israeli civilians. This has to be taught in schools. We can't be wishy-washy anymore, and I'm, I'm sick and tired of the wishy-washy. Oh, yeah, we, we, you know, we have the right to be there, but they have a right too, and they have a claim, and we have a claim, and, and you know, we could build, we could live in peace and harmony, and everyone could live in a two-state solution. We'll all hug each other, and kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. Doesn't work. We have to teach our children to defend Israel, to defend it strongly, and to defend it physically if they have to. And defend themselves physically if they have to. We can't be wishy-washy anymore. Sure, it's great to be a liberal. It's great to say, yeah, yeah, we can live in peace. Peace goes two ways. Peace isn't a one-way street. You can't say, I'm giving you peace, and, and, and if you don't want to give me peace, that's fine. It doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. If you want a peace deal, both sides have to agree to it. And both sides have to abide by it. That has not happened. And we are living in a time now where we have to realize that this is not a land war. It has nothing to do with occupied land. It has nothing to do with uh, territories and borders. It has nothing to do with oppression even. This has to do with religion. This has to do with a, with a verse in the Quran that says that any land that was ever occupied by a Muslim caliphate is Muslim land forever. This is what it has to do with. It has nothing to do with anything else. And this is why Arafat, this is why Mahmoud Abbas both turned down deals that would have given them much more than they ever dreamed of getting from Israel including Jerusalem as a capital city. They turned it down because Israel's only insistence, the only condition Israel had, was you have to recognize us as a Jewish state. And they couldn't do that because the rest of Israel was once controlled by an Islamic caliphate. And if they did that, the radicals would kill them. So they can't do it. And so this, this war is going on imperpetually. So how does Israel solve this war? How could it solve this war? If we know it's a land, not a land war, and we know that land concession aren't going aren't to do it, land for peace is a failed project, it's not going to work. And we know that, that if, if, if Israel decides to go and actually take care of the problem and wipe out Hamas in Gaza, the world is going to come down strong on Israel. Right now, Israel defended itself from rockets falling on its head, and the world's already calling for concessions and, uh, and, for, um, uh, and, and for, um, for boycotts and for... Uh, and then to 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 and to isolate Israel, even though Israel was defending itself, obviously defending itself, legally defending itself. So what's the solution? Now I've advocated the solution before. My solution is quite simple. We have to separate the two populations. So if Gaza is the de facto Palestinian state, then the Palestinians should go to Gaza. Israel should behave exactly like the Arab countries behaved when Israel was created. And it, they expelled the Jews. They said to the Jews, hey, you have your own country now. Go to your own country. You don't have to live in ours. And Israel should do the exact same thing. This is our country. You don't have to live in our country. Go to your own countries. You have 22 Arab countries, 23 Arab countries 
in the in, in the Middle East, feel free to go to any of them. But stay out of our country. That's what Israel should do. There is no question in my mind that's what Israel should do. Israel has no choice anymore. Because if we continue going to where we're going, more people are going to die, more condemnations for Israel, more, more calls for sanctions against Israel, and no peace. No peace at all. How many more years do people Starut and southern Israel have to live with bombs falling on their heads? How many more years do people in Tel Aviv and Haifa have to worry about running to bomb shelters? Because Gaza and Hamas decided that they're going to send bombs over. How many more times? How many more years? How much longer? A sovereign nation whose borders are constantly being attacked and are not allowed to defend themselves. <coughs> How many more times? You tell me. one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 1292 and how many times do Jews in North America have to have to be beaten up and humiliated before they finally decide that this is enough? Enough is enough, and they're going to fight back. I mean, you know, push has got to come to shove eventually. At one point or another, push has to come to shove. You can't just keep going and going and going and saying things will get better because we know from history, and this is the point of learning history, we know from history that things are not getting better. We know from history that things could only get worse. So the Jews in North America have two choices. And, and only two choices. Choice number one is they could choose to, uh, to, to pick up en masse like Jews of Ethiopia did, like the Jews of Russia did, like the Jews of Syria did, like the, uh, the Jews of India did, and pick up en masse and move to Israel. This is one thing that could happen. Uh, or the second thing, the second option they have is that they have to defend themselves. That we have to stop, uh, we have to stop kowtowing to the liberalism of the countries we live in, and start saying, "Hey, look, we are uh, we are one hundred percent behind Israel. We stand behind Israel. We stand behind the Jewish people. We stand behind the Jewish people's right to their indigenous land, to the land where they came from, the land of Judea." We stand behind the right of, of Jews to live in Israel. And we won't accept, we won't accept anyone saying otherwise. You want to argue otherwise, fine. But, but, but we're not going to accept it. There's no, there's no changing our minds. And Israel has a right. Uh, and we have to stop arguing Israel's right to exist and start questioning why people are questioning Israel's right to exist. We have to change our whole attitude on the way we argue about Israel. We have to start changing our vernacular. We can't talk about occupied territories because there are no occupied territories. There are liberated territories. The League of Nations created the Mandate of Palestine. The Mandate of Palestine was given to the British and, and the sole job of the Mandate of Palestine and the British authority that ran the Mandate of Palestine was to facilitate the creation of a Jewish state, a Jewish homeland. That was the whole purpose of the Mandate of Palestine. The British messed it up because they owed people from World War I. They owed the, uh, they owed, they owed the Hashemites from World War I, so they created the uh, Transjordan in most, of the, uh, in most of the Mandate. They created Syria. 
So they owed people things for helping them in the wars that they fought. And because they owed that, they took the land away from the Jews. Legally, if you look at the resolutions passed at the San Remo Conference, legally, the land belongs to the Jews. So does Jordan. So does parts of Syria. The land belongs to the Jews. Legally, international law is clear. Now, international law... Now, now you say, oh, San Remo, that was 1923. It was way before the United Nations. Maybe things have changed since then. Uh, but, but the United Nations adopted all the laws of the League of Nations. So here we are. Uh, when, when, the, when the United Nations adopted all the laws of the, League of, of the League of Nations, then international law is behind the Jews. But nobody talks about this. Nobody even looks at this anymore. And the reason they don't look at this anymore is because the Arabs... And the Arab League, which created the Palestinian people in 1964, the Arab League is great at propaganda. They are so good at propaganda that, 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 that everything is believable. If you want to understand that there is no way for negotiated peace, all you have to do is look at the pendants and the maps of what they call Palestine. It is the map of Israel. If you want to understand, and, and you don't want to be brainwashed, but you want to look at it objectively, and you want to understand how they don't want land for peace, they don't want, uh, they don't want a negotiated settlement with Israel, their chant that we will free, get, we will free Palestine from, from sea to sea is the entire state of Israel. If you want any more proof that they are, are not going to negotiate peace for land, then you just have to go and Google Mr. Bugatti, the founder of the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanction Movement, the BDS Movement, where he said, and it's quite clear he said this, he said that no Palestinian, at least no sellout Palestinian, would ever accept a Jewish state in the Middle East. He says it, it's on YouTube. You could find it. So, I, I learned a long time ago that when my enemy tells me something, I tend to believe it. If somebody comes to me and tells me, I want to kill you, I tend to believe them. If somebody comes to me and says, I want to destroy your people, I tend to believe them. And if somebody comes to me and says that I don't believe that your state has the right to exist, and I don't believe that your state should exist, and I think that, uh, that your state should be dismantled, I believe him too. I, I, I'm a very trusting person. I believe these people. And I believe them for, for various reasons, because history has told me to believe my enemies. Every time we didn't believe our enemies, every time we didn't believe that the people who said they wanted to kill us and the people who said that they wanted to annihilate us and the people who said they wanted to commit genocide against us, every time we didn't believe them, we came out the losers as Jewish people. Just take a quick look at what happened in, uh, in Nazi Germany, where, where Jews stayed, stayed in their homes. They had, to, they had the option to leave. At the beginning of the uh, war, at the beginning of the Nazi effort, Jews could have fled. Many did. But many stayed saying, ah, this can't get any worse. It'll all blow over. What are you worried about? Because they didn't believe that normal, rational human beings would attack them and kill them. They, it, was, it was beyond their human comprehension. 
But we've seen in the last week, last two weeks, that the tides could turn on the Jewish people at any time. We've seen in the last two weeks the attacks on Jewish people because Jews are associated with the state of Israel. We've seen attacks on synagogues. We've seen attacks on, on, uh, on, on demonstrators. We've seen attacks on children on the street. We've seen an upgrade on security in all Jewish institutions. Three, four, five security guards standing outside. Upgrades on camera systems. We've seen people driving into Jewish neighborhoods, threatening people in Jewish neighborhoods. We've seen alerts put out by different governments and different police forces warning Jews to, uh, to, to be vigilant. It's all reminiscent of a really bad time in history. And I'm not only talking about Nazism because uh, you know, we always go back to Nazism because that was the closest uh, oppression of the Jewish people. But if you think about the pogroms in, in Europe and the, uh, and, and the massacres in Europe for, uh, for the pogroms, uh, through the pogroms, it was, it was all the same story. First, they start by desecrating buildings and by screaming at Jews in the street. Then they start by pushing and kicking and hitting Jews in the street. And when they see there's no pushback from the Jewish population and they see there's no pushback from the authorities, then they escalate. It would not surprise me, God forbid this should happen, but it would not surprise me if there's a murder or two or three, or a mass murder of Jews in the next couple of weeks. It wouldn't surprise me. If there's a suicide bombing in the States or in Canada, God forbid, would not shock me. The radicalism that we're seeing today is very, very scary, and it's very reminiscent of a time where radicalism grew and grew and grew until it was uncontrollable. And the only people who paid the price on that was the Jewish people. I'm hoping and praying that we don't end up in a time of, of that kind of radical uh, extremism. But it sure to hell looks like we're heading there. And that's the scariest part of this whole thing. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. Feel free to join me. one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 It's the number to call to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. TrueTalkRadio.com is the home is the home site of the True Talk Radio Network. We have an app. You can download the app, the True Talk Radio Network app. You can download it from your um, from your favorite app store. You can download it from uh, from iTunes or uh, or, or from uh, the Google Play Store. It's it's available everywhere. Uh, the iStore, not iTunes, the iStore. Uh, True Talk Radio Network app, and then you can listen to twenty four hours of True Talk Radio. There's my show. There's a bunch of other shows. You can check out the schedule, truetalkradio.com. How do we uh, how do we get out of this? What do we do to... Uh, I, I know it's not a happy subject. It's not a subject I like talking about. It's not a subject I want to talk about a lot. But how do we get out of this? What do we do to save ourselves? And that's the question. So I've suggested a couple of things over the uh, course of the hour and a half. I've, I've suggested that perhaps we should start teaching self-defense to our children. Perhaps we should start pressuring our governments for, uh, for, for more stre- strenuous, uh, Dino mentioned this, that we should pressure our governments for more strenuous, um, strenuous response to the kind, of, uh, the kind of horrific attacks the Jews have felt, uh, faced over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, perhaps we should be in the streets more often, reclaiming our space in the streets and showing that we are not scared to be pro- out there and that we are not going to cow cow ourselves, cower down, 
and hide because there are radicals out there who want to hurt us. Perhaps we should, uh, we, we, should, we should be more vocal and not be afraid. Perhaps we should teach our children how to defend Israel more, more effectively. Perhaps we should, uh, perhaps we should uh, do a lot of things that we're not doing. And who do we rely on to do this? And that, that's really the way the big question comes. Who do we li- rely on to take care of these problems? Who do we rely on? So it has become obvious to me that we can't rely on B'nai B'rith and Canadian Jewish Congress because they're not doing the job. They're not doing it properly. The Jewish day schools are not teaching it properly. So who do we rely on to do it? How do we do it? There has to be some kind of grassroots movement that comes up from this that, uh, that, that, that takes care of this kind of thing. We have to create something to make the situation better. We have to be able to look at the situation and, and figure out how we are going to, to solve this issue. And we have to ignore the pushback from the organized Jewish community. We have to do what we have to do in order to make the situation better. Aside from mass aliyah, mass moving to Israel, we, we have to, if we're going to stay here, then we have to be able to live our lives without the fear of, of attack on every single time that something happens in Israel. Without the fear of attack, without having to look over our shoulders when we walk down the street. Look, uh, a couple of months ago, uh, last summer actually, was last year, Jews were being attacked in the streets in New York City. And uh, we every week we got on here, uh, I think it was almost every night we got on here, we showed you videos and we talked about Jews being attacked in New York City. And in New York City, and the New York City uh, Police Department and government doing nothing to protect the Jews. We can't rely on our governments to help us anymore. We are visitors in a strange land. And as visitors, sometimes it feels like we've outstayed our welcome. And I know it's hard it's hard to hear this stuff. I, I know it's it's hard to say this stuff. I know it's hard to hear it. But when you think about it, and if you seriously contemplate, you, you take a step back and you seriously contemplate what what I'm saying, you'll realize that unless we create our own bubble, and I love using these COVID terms that uh, that aren't related to COVID, unless we create our own bubble and our own bubble of protection. And we're in serious trouble. We can't rely on anyone to protect us. We have to protect ourselves. So here's my suggestion. It's a three-part three part suggestion. Part number one, we, we advocate and we, we're loud and we, we get out there on a daily, maybe a weekly basis supporting the state of Israel, regardless of what the Arabs think, regardless of what the radicals think, regardless of what the jihad think. We get on the street in numbers to support the state of Israel. Mass rallies. They could bring out 10,000 people. There's no reason we can't. And not, and not singing and celebration. Rallies supporting the state of Israel. We're not there to... Not, not, not celebrations of the state of Israel. Rallies, political rallies to support the state of Israel. Number two, we must start teaching our children self-defense. We can't shy away from it anymore. We can't say, ah... Uh, there's no point in it. We can't say, ah, we're not going to do it. We can't say, ah, what the heck are you talking about? We must start teaching our children self-defense. 
we must start teaching our children self-defense. I'll repeat it one more time. We must start teaching our children self-defense. Our children, our community, we must start learning self-defense. Jews will continue to be attacked, and if Jews are continued to be attacked, then we must be able to defend ourselves at all costs. So Jews must learn self-defense, period. There's not even a question about it, and groups have to be set up teaching Jews how to defend themselves. Now, I know there are certain synagogues and certain organizations that have started doing this. After that riot uh, on Sunday, last Sunday, there, there are groups that have been set up. I, I've been told about them. I know about them. Uh, set up to teach Jews self-defense. And the first time that we're attacked and a Jew fights back, it might ward off, it might, it might scare off future attacks. So it is essentially important that Jews know how to defend themselves, period. And number three, for those of you that can, and for those of you that, uh, that, that, that think it's, uh, it's appropriate, I think it's time to start considering making Aliyah. Now, I'm not, um, I have not been a big advocate of uh, people uprooting themselves and moving off to a foreign land. But when the going gets tough and the Jews start getting beaten up in the streets and the authorities are helpless to help them, then maybe it's time to think that the time for Jews in North America is coming to an end. Maybe it's time to think that the time for Jews in North America has, uh, has expired. And there's only one place for Jews to go. So once you leave your home in North America, there's only one, one, one destination. So Jews have to start thinking of the future. If there is no stop in the attacks on Jews, if the jihadists continue to pressure the Jewish community and to beat people up in the middle of the streets, and if the police are still uh, uh, powerless to defend the Jewish community, then the Jewish community has to consider leaving. Not that we're giving up, not that we're quitters, not that we... Uh, not that we're scared, but in order to ensure that, uh, that we have a future Jewish community, we might have to start considering leaving the country and moving to Israel. It will strengthen Israel, and Israel stronger with numbers, and it will protect the Jewish community that is under threat. We saw the Jews of France flee to Israel. The majority of the Jews of France fled to Israel a few years ago when, when, when the Arabs and the jihadists started flaring up there it looks like it's moving to North America so the European uh, trend of jihadists in Spain and Italy and France driving the Jewish communities out of their countries it looks like it's starting here and unless it could be quashed by the government unless it could be quashed by the people if it can't be quashed then Jews living here will have no choice but to go and I know it's hard I know it's, it's, it's almost an impossible ask. It's terrible to think that after so many years of living in, uh, in a place that you're no longer welcome there. Everyone likes to think that these are isolated incidents and that, uh, that these things will, will, will pass. But they thought Nazism would pass too, and it didn't. And you don't want to end up on the wrong end of the stick, of the time stick, saying that, oh, we'll just wait it out and then there's nothing left to wait out. 
You don't want to end up in that long, wrong end of time step. We have to use history as a gauge. And I think we've gotten to the point, and, and history is repeating itself, and we see it repeating itself. It happens slowly, but it does. We've gotten to the point where Jews are being beaten in the streets. Now, that was 1933. So in just a few years, we might see a shift from being beaten on the streets to being interned in camps, to being massacred, to another genocide perhaps. God forbid it should happen, but it's an, something we have to keep our eyes on. And if any sign that this is going to happen is, uh, appears, then Jews have to be ready to get up and leave. And we can't sit back and say, hey, we're going to wait it out. It's only temporary. It can't get much worse than it is. No, 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 we can't do that. We learned our lessons. We must learn from history, and we learned our lessons of history really well. We're still, we're still crying about our lessons in history. So don't let fear, intimidation, and laziness get in the way. All right. That's it. I want to bid you a, uh, a good evening. I'm going to going to get off now I'll be back on Tuesday night with Political Hitman here on the True Talk Radio Network I invite you to join me for that Tuesday at midnight I'm hoping that some of the words I say will sink in and people will heed some of what I say and I look and I look towards the Jewish community I know you're a community that is strong community that is resourceful and a community that will do the right thing and at the moment the right thing is protecting our community learning and teaching martial arts teaching children how to defend Israel properly stop the moral equivalency it doesn't exist start defending Israel I'll see you again uh, I'll see you again on Tuesday Howie Silberger Show returns next week right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next week.